want to show with this guy, man. Look at him, man. Shaggy the airhead. On the beat. What the fuck is wrong with this guy, man? Look at him, man. A lot of fucking yelling and anger and cocaine. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I hope you are enjoying yourselves today, tonight, to, to whatever fucking time it is. I am Mad Maximilian, the Reverend, Reverend, the Reverend Television. Reverend is to my left, and this is the Carnival Grounds, you bitch ass motherfucker. Uh, yes, how do you do? So, I am glad to be back. Uh, we are rolling in uh, the new year. Uh, I think I missed a week already, but fucking whatever. Uh, You've just fallen into the groove of putting out two every two weeks. Pretty much, and if not just that, it's like, this is like a treat. It comes out when it comes out. <coughs> what are we using for an ashtray today, ladies and gentlemen? We always... <laughs> a little behind... <laughs> A little, a little behind the scenes. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly how it is. So let's see, what do we have? This, this will be the, the, 20, right, the, 20, the 23rd item. Uh, Here, we'll we, use uh, an empty can while I go grab can. another. Uh, nice. Well, yeah, but a can is actually kind of it's better than the kind of If you want to donate an ashtray, we, you can go ahead and buy us a butt no, you, bucket oh, and no, send legit. it to Mad Max's house. No, legit. I mean, we could definitely figure out how to make that happen. I'm going to go grab another beverage. Uh, you give me just a moment now. How's everybody doing out there? This is Reverend Television. We're gonna get a little intimate real here, real quick. I see some of you people commenting out there saying that you listen to the podcast, and I really appreciate that. It's fucking awesome. Um, That's what it is. We're old and we're fucking cooked, and it's amazing that you want to listen to us even speak at all. So no, I know. Fa big factuals. I uh, excuse me. I am always stoked to see that like. It's not huge numbers, but the fact that anybody listens to this shit, the fact that there is even one person, and I know that there's at least three or four, that fucking have it set where as soon as an episode comes out, it's it's automatically set to download it. Like, they're, they're subscribed to it, basically. And so... I've seen people on the book quoting you. On, from no, I, oh, no, I see, yeah, no, I, I've seen one dude uh, that he said that, where... Uh, no, I just, it does feel good that we're just out here talking shit about the fucking Juggalo experience that we've had over fucking the last literally 20 years. Yeah. And people are like, oh yeah, that's cool. Which, and by the way, I just want to point something out. You may or may not have seen it because you don't pay attention to my bullshit, but... I do and then I can't. <laughs> you know, fuck you. I'm not that bad. But no, so listen, um... What's her face? Uh, Lardy B is coming out with this song, My Hatchet, and fucking. Oh, this is the Juggalo State of the Union. We might as well make this as a part of the podcast. I mean, we have the subjects of the podcast, but there's always. Yeah, at but least... that's how fucking every podcast works, isn't it? It's a, yeah, every podcast talks you about the state fucking... of Juggalo rap every time. Well, that yeah, fuck it. Why not? We're one of the only people doing it. Yeah. But no, because this is my whole thing. Because the shit that I said, a lot of people, I think, were taking it as me hating on her. Right. And I'm not. But, because quite frankly, I remember her from way back, like when she first, first came Way back? Out. Hasn't she only been around for two years? Well, no, she's been around for a little bit more than that. Here, I have some matches, actually. Did she come out after Walk came out? Well, no, she came out before. The matches? Oh, my God. What? I, love... I don't fucking have a lighter. This one doesn't work. It's and right. it's a joint you're lighting. We're not lighting a fucking bowl. So back in the day, Lottie V. No, but so listen, she's been out for like a decent amount of time uh, at this point. 
and she also does her own kind of like regular rap shit. But for the most part, she was a you know a parody artist. Right. But Wait, I mean, her fucking name's Lottie V. Yeah. Exactly. Well, not. And by the way, this is kind of my thing. She did uh, Ball Bounce. 2.0. She did a video for that. She filmed it at the gathering this last what, year. Shaggy's yeah. solo song. Yes, correct. So that's kind of a deep cut no, to do no, a cover. Exactly. No, that's my point. I fucked with that. Yeah. I thought that was so. Dope. Is she a juggalo? That's kind of what I'm saying. Is that I am, and I admit to a certain extent because of the nature of my life and the way things have panned out for me, I am very fucking sensitive about juggalo rap shit. However, with that said, it seems like. After having done the, after having done the Shaggy tour and doing the gathering for the second time, which I imagine she's probably going to play main stage again this year, um, that she has started to kind of ingratiate herself with the community, and I think that's fine. But for whatever reason, seeing that now she's doing like an actual like straight at the Juggalo song. That was one of those kinds of things where I feel like so many other artists in the past that have started fucking with Psychopathic and the Juggalo crowd just keep doing their own thing and just show love to Juggalos in the midst of that. They don't start just making songs straight for It can be done well, and I can give you a pointed example that I like, but like... Which one's that? Bizarre on DJ Clay Volume 2, which that first Let Him Bleed series was right. really good. Oh, for and sure. Fucking, there was a song on Volume 2, which was arguably maybe the best one, and it was I called... Three was the big one. Uh, I don't care it's big, but like like the song collection content, but the uh, there was a song called Just Juggalo, right. and at the time, that was huge. Bizarre, like this is fresh off of two years ago, you know, there's still beef, right, group right, died. Right. No, for Victor sure. Mixtape came out in 2008, so let's say three years. Okay. So when, so when something like that happens, that's a cultural impact moment that was really bridging, like literally, like fucking. Well, and to that end, I well, so like that. here's like, the thing. That's not a cash grab. I know what your sentiments are. You're like, yo, this is looks like kind of a. My whole thing is this, and I, I made this. I, uh, I, I made this you point. Ever remember of, when Dank got kicked in the face a few, uh, 10, 12, 13 years ago? Uh, yeah. Not just Capadonna. Remember right. the first thing? Oh, of course I, of course I do. Oh, absolutely. Of course. Why that we did? You know, me and him haunted that motherfucker. For three days on on his tour, Hobson, because yeah. he was threw some contacts in and went from a Disney rapper to you know piecing together his fame through the Juggalo world yeah. through a very crafted, pointed approach. Yeah, I came, you know, and I because I. Bro. Hobson kind of has disappeared at this point. It's well, because weird. he caught a few charges and is that really what happened? Is that what it was? And, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, all right, fair enough. I, you want to Australia? Right. No, I I do recall that. Um, no, my only point was this. What I was saying was, I have always been the kind of person that the way I feel about Juggalo shit and even Juggalo rap, quite frankly, is that that you can't keep the gate when the entire point of the fucking family or whatever it is you want to call it is included. Right. The whole fucking point is we belong. You come in here. Everybody, get the fuck in here. You're good. But if you walk in here and then you want to start making it part of your identity, that's fine. But we've made a pretty big point over a long period that for life means for life. And if it doesn't mean for life, then we're going to have something to say about it once you go. Yeah. And... Again, my whole thing is this. I really am in something of a unique position of how I feel about this shit and how much it's affected my life. Not as many people, I think, have been able to say that being a Juggalo rapper specifically has affected their life in so many different ways. 
Right. And so that's the reason why I happen to be very fucking uh, sensitive about it. However, I don't want anybody thinking... Because, again, this, to me, is a very solid representation of who I am as a person. People can fucking reference, you know, like, oh, this is something that Max said. I think Lardy B is dope, and I certainly I am not say, off her. camera, off the internet, and all that, for years you liked her, so that's Well, why, no, that's kind of my point. That's why I always hold off on your on your stuff, if you haven't noticed, online. Well, what? I, I don't find, Well, okay, but so here's the thing. You say that like I have a problem being challenged. No, not that at all. It's just that I I talk to you in reality, man. You know that. Well, no, that, exactly. Not, well, I no. will never not do that or be that. So fucking that's why. Oh no, I listen, usually, come on, Derek. I know yeah. for a fact we would like we would get in a screaming match before you would lie to me yeah. about whatever what it, whatever. We it do is we get in screaming that, matches before my, I lie that's, to you. That's yeah. my point. Derek. Exactly. Yeah. So. And, then, and speaking of screaming matches, we brought it all the way back around. Is the album that we're actually talking about today, yeah. which it really, it's so funny to me that every hook is screaming. Every single fucking hook is Well, just, I'm going to take the opportunity. Super Villains is the album we're talking about. And here. I'll take the opportunity right now. It's something I've said in the halls of the New England Juggalo world scenes, pocket lots, basements, sure. hotel rooms, that this is the cocaine album. The seminal cocaine album of Psychopathic Records. If Records. you listen to it this under those auspices, it's impossible to not hear this it. This is like, also... It's so obvious. I've been waiting for a long time for this episode, because this album very... Oh, I know. We've talked about it a bunch. Yeah, I know. Because this is, the, <laughs> this is the nail in the coffin of the family era. No, sure. I think in a lot of ways, I think you might be right. Because they, had a, they, they fucking assembled an impeccable roster, and they could not keep it... They could not keep the train on the track. Was Lavelle officially part of Psychopathic, or was just the... The collab that he was a part of. That's a very good question, and probably why he went to Alex Abyss's house with a shotgun, because those details seem to get muddled. We've noticed with all the artists over the years. No, this is true. Here's the variable. Lavelle's not like a white dude named Cletus Clatsby or whoever the Cletus fuck. Clatsby. You know, like, <laughs> looking to be a scarecrow or whatever dumb thing. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, he was a real gangster rapper from Detroit who I'm assuming brought all the cocaine to the party. And the reason or why... helped. Well, the reason why it's... It depends this on this. Isn't the weird you know, part about this though that, and I don't mean to cut you off. I apologize, but I feel like the weird X factor to this, and if anything, maybe even lends credence to the idea that Lavelle really was a straight up gangster, is that he's like just super, super. He's uber a Christian re- now. Religious yeah, now. and that's usually the yeah, end. If exactly. You don't die exactly. or on that's in what jail. What's the third option on the roulette wheel of being a real gangster? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Finding right. religion. You know what I mean? Like, and that is Lavelle. And also, like, his, like, his rabbit, <coughs> his, 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 his cadence, everything about him, it just seems real street shit. You know what I mean? Like, it seems, there's something authentic about it. And that's what made him, I think that's why they chose him. Because he's I also honestly, a good, he's a good producer, too. I feel like he was the most confident rapper on the album. Definitely. On this one. Jay had some good shit, but I realized, because my number one favorite song on this album, we just get this right out of the way, is, and I had forgotten this until it played, was I Shot the DJ. Yeah. That was my favorite track on the album. How fucking nasty is Shaggy on this album with the cuts, dude? Holy fuck. Not for nothing. I remember somebody pointed this out to me on whichever uh, If I Was a King, where he said, everybody got to get an SV tech, because... So he pointed this out to me, and I think that it's very true. This is one of the few albums where Shaggy gets to shine oh, all yeah. over it. And by the way, 
I don't know whether or not, because I don't know what kind of drug Shaggy did. I heard he drank a lot. I don't know what he got down on. If Shaggy was a cocaine doer, this was the album where he literally must have been fucking See, doing Scarface levels of cocaine did, and just shouting at the fucking microphone. There was a Howard Stern interview of, and right when Bang Pow Boom dropped. Um, okay. It, I don't know if you listened to it or whatever, but it was pretty major, and it was Howard basically passing through behind the paint and asking Jay, like, oh, you were molested when you were a kid. Tell us about that. And then Jay's all uncomfortable, like, yeah, he grabbed my dick, you know? And then he's like, well, Shaggy used to be an addict. We, we heard, tell us about that. And then Jay said in his classic, like, Dr. Seuss almost kind of fucking right, sentence, right. like, he takes those funky little fucking freaky little pills, man, you know what I mean? And then Shaggy was mad uncomfortable and being quiet, which he's done often on Howard Stern when they're, like, talking about, like, all the kayfabe's been fucking ripped down and they're talking about real shit and, like, yeah. Shaggy probably just wants to punch somebody in the mouth, but instead, yeah. like, he's fucking going through it. I still you know? will maintain to the, 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 till the end of time how amazing it is that Shaggy ended up being the one that was, like, the well-fucking-like, the grounded and balanced one after all these years. Yeah, it was substance abuse is what made him the most insane, I feel like. I mean, I feel like he has his own personal problems. Well, uh, probably. Know, I'm mental, sure they all do. Health, but, like, I've hung out. I've hung out with Shaggy, and oh, he's so... I don't know if I ever told you that. We hung know. out at... Uh, I don't think so. We hung out at the Gathering 2007, the first Word. year. Oh, uh, at, old at, school. At Hard well, Rock. that is old school. And that was when he was still drinking. Sure. And oh, was, boy. he had no pain on, and it was, like, me, P-Crack... This dude T who hung out with fucking Jesse. Shout out to Jesse. Um, anyways, we were all hanging out drinking tequila, and he reminded me of Greasy more than more than anybody. Like he was Greasy. just like he was just oh, like man. a scrub tattooed cool motherfucker. He scrub asked, he asked me for, he was asking me for cigarettes, and I didn't have any. And then he was like, "Oh, how's a mechanic not gonna have any cigarettes?" Because <laughs> I, I was wearing all blue pajamas. Right, 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 right. Um, wearing coveralls. Yeah, exactly. But he was just cross-eyed drunk, and I, <laughs> I was really just wearing pajamas. But uh, that, then, that, and, well, that checks out. And for DJ you. Clay was there, and he's like the same age as me, and it was so funny because he was like so new that we were passing hash to Shaggy. And it's also funny because Shaggy, for the longest time, would say that he didn't smoke, but then would smoke because he was always on probation. You right. know what I mean? Like, it, it always front, like, oh, I don't even smoke, or, like, on records and shit, because I think he was always super nervous about, like, Yeah, probably. Like, you don't want to get in trouble. And this, because this is before there's a dispensary yeah. on every corner. Yeah, before everything. Well, I mean? yeah, but like, also before the fucking establishment started to loosen up their fucking restrictions on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It used to be, and no, it used to always be that, like, fucking, they would always talk about, that's why they didn't go to fucking uh, Canada for the longest, because Shaggy had felonies and he couldn't fucking go. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that may have even still continued to be the case for a while. I think they've made it to Canada by now, but, like, they were definitely on some, like, Shaggy was, like, pretty much wherever they went. They're, both of them were not above just like punching a motherfucker in the face. They just right. did not care. Yeah. So, and by the way, I think that that fucking uh, attitude is espoused pretty often on supervillains. That's what they did. They basically were like, hey, every single time you were in the back of a cop car on PCP or whatever you do, fucking just scream like that on on, on every hook. You know? And that, uh, no, which each fucking. It, it also. It's not black flag. Every fucking song is just. They do really just, that's why, like, when I listened to it and thought about it as the cocaine record, 
of just like they're shouting over each other basically. Yeah. And fucking, it was funny. Like I said, with I shot the DJ. Violent J's verse was good, but you can tell the way that he's delivering it. Like something about it was just like the the uh, rhythm wasn't hitting quite the same as it normally. Had, and it definitely you, does. Been, it's you, like you've been on coke. Yes, exactly. That's my fucking. Beat. Like, oh my god! That's so fucking funny. Yeah. Oh my god! I've been there. You've been there. No, and by the way, there. is yeah. there any? Is it any wonder that with all of that being the case and me believing that to be true, that where the album really does shine is Shaggy's cutting, is Shaggy scratching? Yeah. Excuse me. Like he fucking. I do not understand why that is not more part of ICP's set, or that Shaggy doesn't do it on solo shit. That he doesn't bring out fucking tables. And scratch, cause he's fucking nasty. Clearly, right. can he not still do he's all that shit? He's done it at the gathering. I've seen him. No, do no, no. It. I know yeah, that, but stuff. I just mean in general. It's it like... odd for him to get into that mode and and rap. No, that's. Know? I mean, like, listen, that is fair. I'm I, not saying it, no, cause that's kind of the point. It's not easy to do, and that's almost and your why hands I would want it. Wet with fucking soda and shit. Well, like, okay, maybe with. That, well, like... I mean, Mikey Clark found a way to do it. Yeah, but he's not throwing fucking Fago bottles. Yeah, he's there around all of it. Yeah. It's so funny. So, so does Shaggy not throw any Fago and stay in an enclosed area? Uh, maybe for one part. Yeah. Maybe he could dry maybe his hands off. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh yeah, because they can't get a fucking towel. It's just so funny the way that you compare it. Like, yo, that when when Mikey Clark plays, he's in like they got windows up like around the decks and shit. Yeah. Well, they have like a little enclosure. Exactly. But you say yeah. that like he's not gonna get wet at all. He's still gonna. That's just That's just you know. Yeah, but they, but like the way they do it, motherfucker. How many times is a show to Shaggy literally empty a fucking two liter over his head? That's like. Well, that is no. You want to know what? I I was watching the video. I was watching the video of the uh, Hollow Wicked performance, and uh, he did that when they did the Nenden game. Yeah. And while they were doing, he's just he's like doing the whole. uh, He's a deranged crack. The whole thing, fucking. Real slow, just real slow doing the, the for that whole bit. That was real dope, but um. No, I. Uh, it, it's funny because this was an album. I don't think they ever performed it live. I no, don't think dude, they, they did it one time. The label fucking almost folded forever when this happened. Do you understand that? That's why this is such an important album to discuss because people. A lot. Here's the thing, especially you. When this album came out, you were like starting. What were you doing in 2005? 2005. Uh. Probably mission and Probably, I think so. So you were so mired in that you weren't really paying attention to like... I remember this coming out very, very clearly. I was in Denver at a psychopathic show and they had at the record store that was right next to the venue, they had a uh, fucking stand-up for the album, like very specifically promoting it. And they promoted that album and fucking distributed it through a completely different company than they usually did. Because Psycho, it was like, again, it was somehow a collaboration with, between Psychopathic and some other entity. But no, I was very aware of the album. And again, the fact that I still knew did I shot listen, the DJ did you listen? shows that that was a song that I was listening to a lot. Oh, I'm not telling you're aware of the album, but were you aware of the like magnitude of the fallout? Did you listen to It Ain't Safe No More? Not until later. 
Right. I That's mean, what I'm the, saying. At the, like, at, at the time of the album coming out, no, I didn't. Here's another follow-up question. But here's the other you, thing is that in this, like the the gossip didn't go around quite the same back then. Well, unless you were an Esham fan, which is my other follow-up question. You've said a lot that you were never like this crazy big Esham well, fan. Well, yeah, I mean, I, so I was you, a fan enough, but again, back then... Well, what I'm trying to tell you is like being an Esham fan, it wasn't so much gossip as like... Fucking Ishan was one of the first people to have a podcast back in the day, the Bomb Ass Podcast, and he was sharing the intimate details. So if you were an Ishan fan, the curtain was like fucking yanked down, and you had a moral quandary because you were like, "How is like the all this? How are these people not aware of like what's happening? Like how they're fucking him and all this shit that's, that's happening?" And the, that's why the fa- that's why I mock this and herald this as the end of the family era, or like the true one. Not like we sell it in Hot Topic and like we force you to, you know what I'm saying? Like no, I understand like, what you're saying, and I mean time-wise, that, that it, it did break down at about that period. And I can say so that like, because like it was like this: the record comes out, Esham starts talking about like you know fuck them, you know like pay attention to my shit, and he did it in a smart way because he, he what he did was he released he released the It Ain't Safe No More, which was all B sides of the in. The most problematic track that they've ever fucking done. And that's why fucking he released it because he knows that, like, because here's the thing. There was rampant fucking homophobia back in the day. Yeah. Like, oh, up, yeah. In, up until Ouija Mac, honestly, because yeah. he, like, has sex with trans or whatever he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I don't uh, know that's... exactly what the, what the thing is there. But here's the thing, kids. It fucking was not like this back in the day. No, no. Are you... Like... Slim, the existence of Slim Anus as a song, that was the whole point. We're calling Eminem gay. That was the whole deal, is that we're calling Eminem gay. That was the only thing he did wrong was be a homosexual man. Right. So at the end of the day, realistically, especially by the way, this was taken back to what a DMX say on what whatever track that was. How are you gonna explain fucking a man? Even if you squash the beef, I ain't touching his hands. Like, wow. That was uh that was pointed. Yeah. The the whole idea here is that no, it was not even remotely acceptable. Let me tell you, it was so not acceptable for gayness to be anywhere near hip hop. To the point where I literally, to this day, am shocked that Lil Nas X was ended up being as famous as he was. Where he made rap music, then he decided he was a gay rapper, and then openly gay rapper, and then still remained famous and has continued to fucking kill it in the industry. Where I honestly always thought that an openly gay rapper would immediately be just laughed out of the room. Well, yo, back in the day, I can't remember his name, Dirt showed it to me, there was an openly gay gangster rapper from, I think, California. From, this is like 2000, I want to say seven. And he showed me this I could, song. I believe, it, I believe it. He showed me this fucking song with this like huge jacked, like fucking Zeus fucking Debo type motherfucker <laughs> right. talks about uh, fucking this dude. Like, about, like, hanging out in the hood, this dude comes, he picks him up, he fucks him, and then he starts, like, taunting the guy's wife, and then, like, Yeesh. like comes on the little girl's, like, doll and shit. Yikes! Like, yo, it was wow, terrifying shit that I've That is ever pretty heard. fucking terrifying, Because he knew what he was doing. And then... King Gordy started saying, because he always dropped he did that, 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 the Anakin shit was then wild, the bro. But if you, had been a, if you had been a Gordy fan, he had been saying like shit. Like, no, no, I know. He's been wild forever. He was going towards that direction anyways. Like, well, no, but, and like, you want to know what? And I appreciate that he did this, by the way, is that 
I think people don't necessarily understand the whole idea of why Darth Vader is so dope as a character. Is that the whole idea is supposed to be that his whole deal is is evil. Just I will do bad shit. Period. And when Gordy did that, I think that's what the Anakin shit really was. Was he was trying to say. Just because he was talking about Justin Bieber, because Justin Bieber was super popular at the time. It's like Justin Bieber fucking means anything. Like he was just and then trying he to. Wanted to rap, and then him and Bizarre, him and Bizarre before they were signed. That was Lars, left. right? Yeah. No, well, it was hold, supposed hold up, to hold be. Hold up, wait a minute. They were they got Branch Davidians, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, I was because Lars was like. It was, so, it was, it was supposed like, to be Branch Davidians, but they couldn't do Branch Davidians for whatever reason. They fucking put out mad tracks, though, as the Davidians, and fucking, like, I've made playlists that pretty much make an album with all the tra- mixtape right. tracks they put out and stuff. And that's why Laws is one of those things that, like, came out, like, the album's not bad, but it's like, they that album... It's not Davidians. It isn't. It's not the same you thing. You know what I mean? No, because it doesn't have... Well, no, because again, really, let's really think about it. Lars was a cool Last American rock stars, and some of the shit that they did, like there was the one video that was kind of cool, but Davidians had that more, like that edge. You it know what I mean? Like it cult. felt it was exactly. Cult. And here's the thing exactly. that was when Bizarre was being looked at completely sideways by the, tr- the Detroit hip hop scene because he's doing all this juggalo shit. He put out Blue Cheese and Coney Island, which is a fucking nasty album. Here's the thing about Bizarre. He's put he puts out albums constantly. He's like like cool Keith. You know I'm like super into. Oh yeah, no, that's of course. like my flavor oh, of yeah. rap. You know what I mean? Like you see, he's going on tour with uh, Dope Dod. Yeah, and, all over uh, the world. Yeah, like, yeah, no, that looks dope. Yeah, that's it, it's dope. really dope. You know, and uh, but, uh, but a lot of this shit is trash. Like, and it's intentional. But he did have some like good fucking albums, like thought out. And that's Handicap Circus and Blue Cheese Coney Island. He's got other ones too. Which is but, the like, one where he's in front of the moon? Where that was a semi-recent one, where like oh yo that's uh, Friday night at St Andrews Hall. That's a is good that one what too, it yeah. well no because he's got the moon behind his head like a halo, yeah. like the sun usually would be in the and again bizarre is that's somebody Friday who, night at St Andrews Hall that came out in like 2014, which is 10 years ago. Oh, but wow. fucking I he's keep like, thinking that last year is two years ago. No, so I know, that's right? Time he's is. a very he is a very fucking artistic guy. I think that. He makes so much shit the, the way that he does because it's just like... Bizarre is a perfect example of just the way that the rap game works. Yeah. The fact of... Did he get... Like, was he the most famous man in the world? No, but he was attached to, like, the most famous man in the world. But that doesn't mean that everything he puts out is going to sell. But it does mean that he was able to get himself in front of enough faces and enough ears that if he puts shit out, there's always going to be people that want to listen to it. Yeah, and he paid his dues. Like, and I fuck with that. No, not, that's, it, what, that's one of the cool like things when, about hip-hop. Like, after Eminem got signed, I, it was, I forget what producer, I don't know if it was Dre specifically, but basically it was one of these situations where, like, you know, Marshall got the deal and was, like, getting developed, and then he was actively trying to make sure, like, D12's getting put on, so he's like, right. hey, I want you to listen to my boy, fucking Bizarre, and Bizarre was working as a security guard and had to, on a whim, quit his job for, no, for nothing but to go spit in a studio to show that he's a rapper that could right. possibly do it. You know what I mean? And I know you have to respect that. Like, how many times have we done that as artists where you literally, like, oh, yeah. derail your life oh, for yeah. a hope of a chance? Not even a guaranteed thing. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? I Just, know exactly like, what you're saying. Yeah, and he did that. You know, like, so, like, he deserves all the accolades of the oh, world. Oh, great. You know what I mean? No, listen, like, my thing about Bizarre is that Bizarre is, in many ways, 
a hip hop legend on the level of ODB in Bismarcky. And, the, a, like, well, and by the way, you know, and I don't, I don't. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't disagree with the Bismarcky. That sounds comparison. Good. I don't. I don't, dis- I don't, don't disagree with the Bismarcky. With the Bismarcky. <laughs> I don't. But I feel like because D12 was in so many ways the new age this is where hip-hop is going version of Wu-Tang. Yeah. Because Wu-Tang was what it was, and then D12 was what it was. And Bizarre was this dude who... Think about it. Remember, like, there was the Superman video, I was in the back. Lose Yourself video, I was in the back. Just doing goofy shit all the time, but then he would still, like, do crazy... Like, every once in a while, like, lyrically, he would show you, like, he can't put it down. But... And he's it was, funny, dude. No, but that's, that's my point, thing. is that he was so much more about just, like... Shock value. I'm just a... Cr- like, I'm bizarre. Yeah. That's who and what I am. Yeah. And I, like... He uh, also has one of those voices that just... You can immediately, like, oh, yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> you know, immediately, you know that's that dude. And I... By the way, I appreciate anybody that does hip-hop in the way of... Truly, think about it. Where hip-hop came from initially... Even Eminem, a lot of his earlier shit, had that kind of, like, happy, bouncy feel to it because hip-hop was supposed to be this thing about going to the party and having a good time. This is one of the reasons why my music, I think, has always been something that's out on the fringe is that we're not making music necessarily for people to listen to in the club. You're making music for, like, people to fucking do drugs and be angry to. And that's you what, know what I'm saying? But, no, you kind of did nail about his happier side of things because, and that's what, uh, to, to go back to Branch Davidians and we're completely off supervillains, we'll get back there. Whatever, it's listening. underground. But the, uh, come on, you always gotta fucking scrutinize the tangents. Uh, Just go on the tangents and then we come back. Well, it is another uh, Detroit-based uh, super group. Exactly, that, like, that's that, my point. But, like... The songs they made as Branch Davidians were mostly all about smoking weed. Okay. And you know what I mean? And then there was a couple that were like fucking, you know, fucking Justin Bieber or whatever it may be. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. And listen, shit. I'm not going to lie. I was aware of the project. I never really got down super on it like that. And I will also say, in the um, avenue or the arena of uh, Detroit groups of that era... Wasn't fucking Gordy a part of Project Deadman for a period also? He was, yeah. He had, they initially wanted him in there, but I... He, he, he did was, eventually do some shit with them. He did. When I said, when I went to my first gathering, he was uh, on stage with uh, Prozac, you know? And they did... This is such an underground thing you'll appreciate, because this is the level Prozac was at. He had... Uh, I think PDM had just gotten signed to Strange, and they had Prozac on at, like, uh. fucking... In the afternoon, you I know what I mean? if that was a bona fide deal or if uh, that was just a distribution deal like fucking uh, Grandfather. <laughs> I think it was just a distribution deal. I think Mike, I think that was a Mike Clock passion project. Right. You know, he's a, I love Mikey Clock. He puts oh, out yeah. solo records and stuff where he's singing and stuff. He's that the like, fucking, this uh, record with uh, AXE they've been working on forever. Yeah. I feel like uh, with the attention to detail the man puts into his work, I can't imagine it's going to be a bad record. Right, yeah. I, I have to listen to it for sure. I'll, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if they've given any updates about it. They've been working on it for a while. Yeah. I uh, really like, and, and that he's certainly absent from from this effort, and that's for sure, for certain. But to go back to the song, uh, fucking slow your roll is on. It ain't safe no more, and that that 
they made obviously they made a fucking smart decision by leaving that song off the album, which is literally that's the, that's the it's one. literally all about uh, killing gay people. <laughs> you know, it's called Slowly Roll. It's all about killing gay people. And they have a couple. Re- there was a couple lines on on uh, Supervillains talking about killing faggots. Oh yeah, remember. but it wasn't <laughs> a, it wasn't an entire song with like the the, the chorus. They weren't much. And listen, you were you are right though, because I'm pretty sure you said this. It was definitely way more fucking common and acceptable to just straight up gay bash and hate on people for no reason other than being gay. That I mean, definitely... even, even all the way up to, you know... Dude, I'll never forget, in fucking Behind the Paint, Jay literally said for his way to lose weight was, if I eat one of those chips, a, a homo gets to grab my balls. Ah. What? That's a punishment. Why? What? Ah. I'm sorry. Run that back. Fast forward. Ketamine makes me gay. Yeah, really. I will fuck you on ketamine. So, kids, we can all learn you something. You think he was just let's trying? All, you all, think he was just trying to get into fucking Tony Hinchcliffe's pants? Let's uh. Trying to angle his way on to fucking. Let's all kill fucking, Tony. Let, probably, and I would. My, I would literally come in my pants. Violent <laughs> day. Kill Tony. That would be funny. Jesus Christ, my dreams would be coming true. <laughs> but yo, the. Uh, the fact of the matter is that, like, they really did Isham dirty in a lot of ways because I think they gave him, I think they gave him and Lavelle deals like Twisted, which is like with like like salary caps type shit on like per album. And I'm only speculating because they also have rhymes talking about salary caps on right, right, right. Safe No More. Right, right. And Twisted has talked about being paid as such and being held from. Uh, royalties. Yeah. Now, uh, Isham oh, yeah. fucking started his own label when he was 16. You know what I mean? And yeah, then man. ICP got expansion exponentially more popular. Mm-hmm. But he always understood his business and he and is fiscally been able to run his own shit the whole time. You know what I mean? It does you seem know? to be the case for the most part. And by the way, I think that that's also evidenced by the fact that Jay and Isham have had a very tumultuous relationship over the years. No I think that's shit. The, I think that's the, <laughs> the, the, the nice way to say yeah. it. But they work together now. Yeah. And I, this is also Even on late this- into each other's careers. They both recognize that it is advantageous for them to work together and that they put out good work together when they, you know, when they're doing shit. Because I do think, again, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but Three-Headed Monster was dope. Dude, not even just Three-Headed Monster. If you ever listened to Violent J's solo album, The Shining, the version that came out at The Gathering, not the one that got re-released a couple of years ago. I, I was there that that year. I can't remember if I got a copy of it or not, but I do remember what you're talking about. Dude, nasty Ugh. album. And a lot of it call it, like, the E&J album. Because if you remember, they, they were supposed to be oh, wait, an E&J yes. album. Yes, Again, yes, I do. in this era, dude. And it's funny, because I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but yeah. I do remember that and kind I, of being a... And I think that's why, and this is why we're good This friends. is also, the Necro was on that album, too, wasn't he? Yes, and that's why I literally jerked off in the woods in the cabin. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. It was in the middle of a field. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, no, I, listen, I think that it's really funny that ICP has worked with so many fucking different members of the underground that, and yet don't seem to get that level of like they're still completely their own thing regardless of the fact that they've done a track with literally fucking everybody right like uh, like and I know we're gonna, we're not that far from the second deck so we are gonna get to this pretty soon but the uh, like the track they did with uh, battle with uh, fucking uh, swollen members right uh, that track is so fucking good and 
like I think so many times when they do that kind of shit and they work with people that you're not expecting, like uh, Jack White was another one. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like fucking. I just want to stay on topic about this album and how it disassembles. Well, we're talking about collaborative shit, but yeah. no, okay, so no, riding that thought train of thought because you are correct. Yeah, I, you're talking well, about. You, let me ask you this then: Do you think that? pushing to get this album made was part of what created a problem that Jay and just certainly definitely nailed it on the head I think that they fucking the fact that they pushed so hard to get this album made created a division is what you're saying two things and this is why it's unique and I've been trying to spit this out because again we, we say we've talked and established this off air but maybe not on the mic I've like been an Isham fan a lot like so, so haven't we've definitely talked about that okay so like it, it when this whole period if you were an Ishan fan you were going through you were you saw the world so differently you know what oh, I'm well, saying but, no, well, so let me some ask, people well, were saying fuck Ishan no but listen let me ask you this how long before or after this album did I Ain't Your Homie came out 2009 four years later then he went that to much the, later okay yeah. that's interesting and then or, two, and when did Tongues come out then Tongues that, came out 2001. Well, because my thing is, whichever was the one where he said I'm Two-Faced like Joe they Bruce. They constantly have been dissing each other back and forth since 1991. I don't think Two-Faced like Joe Bruce was actually supposed to be fucking a diss. I genuinely don't think it was. I think that it was because... Because he wears clowns. Exactly, literally. I, yeah. That's what I think that was about. And he also said, I'm Two-Faced like Joe Bruce. Right. So he's like, I'm, I'm that guy. Yeah. So, like... I don't know. That seems There's to me like... There's also another elephant in the room that has to be said when mentioning this <coughs> album because it, it talks about this album and where I got the confirmation of it being the cocaine era. Right. Um, that would be Death of an Indie Label, which right. came out in 2012. Really I do believe. need to watch that at some point. I know. It's, it's a shame. It's a sh- But this is why it's cool because we have two different perspectives of like the, the people who got fucked over paying attention to them actively the whole time and then there's people like the other side who didn't really it's just like oh that came out now like he's he's dissing I guess now well now no listen not, here's know, my like, thing uh, no listen I have always maintained that Isham deserves the any ire that he might have for any of that shit he deserves and I'll tell you why because he what he did he just did it because it was real to him. He didn't do it because he was planning on being this influential yada yada. But I remember going to the record store at whatever time when Eminem was still kind of new. There was this Esham uh, thing, whatever, where it showed some uh, quotes. Where Eminem's first album on Criminal, he says, I'm a cross between Manson, Esham, and Ozzy. Yeah. Like, that's straight up and down. And then the second album, I ain't acid rap, but I rap on acid. Esham was acid rap back then. Like, that was pointed. You know what I'm saying? And Eminem... And by the way, everybody forgets about Esham. Like, you told me this, talking about one of the main things that people remember about Esham is that he got into a final warp tour. Yeah. People might not remember, he got jumped and beat down fucking bad that day. Yeah. And he has... But here's the thing. He was one of the only people in the industry on some... He doesn't give a fuck. He will diss anybody. So hold on to does that. Not hold care. on to that thought. That is in the, the midst of the psychopathic affiliation and close to this era, if right. not smack dab in the right. middle of it. He's catching fights in the streets for their beef and they're working him, making out, making beef. I don't up. think... that. No, listen. I don't think... And I'm sure that there that was a facet of it. But... Isham was openly saying fuck Eminem specifically and it wasn't even fucking psychopathic. I gotcha, yeah. He was just openly on some... Because think about it, remember the original fucking Thug Pit? Oh yeah, you're right. 
Fuck he, like, he, like, he was talking shit about Eminem and shady. Haley. Yeah, yeah. Like, he did not give a fuck. He was like, come and fucking get me, bitch. I yeah, don't I care. Yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. So I but guess at the same time, I think that it speaks to Isham's character that as the years have gone by, he recognized that the Juggalo community are really the ones that look at him and see, like, nah, that's the OG right there. You know what I'm saying? On, I scri- think that- on Scribble, he reconciled it all with a line on Scribble, which is arguably one of his best releases, one of his most coherent. I remember when know. that came out. It's good. And he said, uh, he goes, I'll, I'll butcher it, but he basically goes like, me and Eminem are cool, nah, put that on proof. Uh, I'm, what, I can't remember the rest. I understand what you're saying. But, but he's basically like saying like, we're cool. Like now, nah, like like the way he does it, like yeah, like now, nah, yeah, we are cool. It, it, but here's the thing: politics I, are complicated, man. What he did say on, uh, and he didn't say it; it was text on a screen, which is also very Isham, you know, like right. He's very coy to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Know? Just like when he was doing these disses, he didn't go and say like "fuck Violent J." What he did was he released all the B sides and then called it the Super Villains album and then dropped very pointed references with the dude who went to a fucking the record label's house with a shotgun and they and they have a song if you Wild. listen to it where it's like shotgun, shotgun, and they're talking about. Going. That's actually funny because that was I and I had never thought about this until just now. But I feel like somebody said something about how it was somehow either like, if not a diss, but just like somehow something for the fact that on Blaze's shit they had that shotgun, shotgun, double barrel sawed off, stay strapped, homies. I wonder if that was, excuse me, I feel like I had heard something about that during that time. Because you know that... It twisted in them Like I don't think they really Ever got along with Isham You know what I'm saying Like no. they very rarely Worked together Never dude They like never worked together No it was only when They were paired and made to And that's why on uh, It Ain't Safe No More There's a song called Who's the New Dude And I remember Dank Would tell me That it was about Boondocks Because Boondocks Got signed And like here's the thing They And hopefully we can Talk honest and openly About like how the Mismanagement uh. of Psychopathic us over the years You know what I mean Like oh, please yeah. Less, you know, because like they had a very good roster and they they mismanaged it, you know, into the ground. And I think what happened is, and what Isham I alluded to is being overworked. They had Isham production on this, that, and the other thing, and he's trying to put out his own records. And now you're doing super villains, you know what I mean? He's and not, no, oh, and by the way, fucking, I think it was know, the kind of thing where I think that think they took advantage of him a little bit during you know, the or, during or, the family not advantage, era. But granted, you during know. the family era, because you have to remember, Isham was there at the homies video shoot. He was there during all. of Oh that. fuck yeah, that was you that's the saying? family era. Yeah, two thousand two. So to that end, era. they were during that time. That was some of their best fucking you know their highest recognition time. So. They were trying to squeeze everything out of it that they could. Because think about it, at the time, because I don't know what the real numbers were. I'm sure if you looked up the sound scan to find out what Hatchet Warrior sold or One Must G in the Hood, whatever. Point here is that they kept putting shit out and it was being reasonably well received enough to the point where they were just like, oh, fuck it, let's keep making more shit, let's keep doing more. 
because to me, I remember when Violent J came out, when ICP both came out uh, with Eshan at the 2004 gathering. I seen the video got posted the other day again. Uh, it was the first time I ever saw migraine headache and boom. Um, you know, again, this was during a time where Eshan had just gotten down with them in an official way. Because the first album he did with Psychopathic was Repentance. Well, no, because Acid Rain was, yeah, yeah, but Acid Rain didn't really have any, exactly. So to that end, he was still very fresh with, you know, starting to work with them in a real official way. And so, because that's the thing, I'm trying to even wonder what his last project with Psychopathic was. A1 Yola. That was the last one. Okay, fair enough. I couldn't remember if that was the last one. It went A1 Yola, then Supervillains, I think. I can't remember if it went Supervillains, A1 Yola, A1 Yola. Honestly, even if you didn't listen to the music, if you just look at the fucking cover of I Ain't Your Homie, it's like that, it's so obvious at at a certain point when Isham, it's like when you know he's talking about his experiences in the fucking. I, I, that's where I, that's why when he started doing the thing with the band, I didn't think that it was corny. I didn't look at that where it was like, oh, look at this guy trying to fucking reinvent this. That's not even close to what's going on. This motherfucker's bored. He wants to do he's something different not, because he's done every a, other thing. He's a true artist. No, like, I agree. Like DMT sessions, it was all like fucking almost EDM, like fucking... I haven't really heard much of that album. I just know about it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's not the but best. It's nice when you're on drugs, you sure know, indeed. and he was on a lot when he made it, for sure. Well, and then he said he was retiring with uh, Venus Flytrap, and he's kind of I think that it's hard to really retire if when, if when this is the way He saying that, because he's fucking said it several times, and uh, I think he's realized that it's never going to happen, so just stop saying it, you know? But I do but also he did, think, he like... he did put out just a, uh, with a... Uh, death of the end of indie label. He pointed to this album uh, being made in Las Vegas, saying that Jay, they were all doing coke or being fucked up in the studio. I don't know if he specifically said coke, um, but like, he said, I wonder if they concepted the, if they concepted the album in Las Vegas. That's cool as fuck. It is cool as fuck, but yeah. it also speaks to like. It almost uh, seems a little too on the nose. Yeah. Like, oh, there's cards everywhere. Cards everywhere. I'm, I'll be the duck. You be the spade. Which, by the way, probably was. I will also say. Listen, I will also say it is also. Listen, it's a little uh, on the nose where Mr. Spade was the militant. Uh, like, wait a sec. I understand. Like, you know where calling a spade a spade comes from, right? Like, do we did, like? Because again, well, was... yeah, well no, because if we're gonna put it all on the table between Jay and Esham, people have been trying to point to that relationship as proof of the fact that Jay is somehow racist for years. Well, so like, I was gonna say this, and now I, I, I'm so glad it presented itself naturally because when you look at a hatchet man. It is shaped like a swat sticker. No, the fuck then, it's not. And Shut when you up. Look at the oh Doc my Lotus, god! When you look at a Doc Lotus cross, it is the Iron Cross. Shut the fuck and up! It really, oh my god, you corny bitch! But no, there is a lot of racist photos, <coughs> and that's the truth. <coughs> you better that's fucking believe it. Absolute truth. You want to know how you know that? When you go uh, and look go at to a the fucking gathering, hang no. out long enough. When you go to a fucking Facebook post of ICP posting their fuck your rebel flag t-shirt and then having everybody hop in in the fucking comments being like, why are you getting political and saying clown posse? Why are you talking about my flag? Like, 
I, oh my god, heritage not hate. I, like, it's fucking nonsense. But it, that's what I'm saying, is that there is a lot of fucking craziness out there. And by the way, I don't think that Jay is racist. Yeah. I think that chances are he is like every other white dude in the world. And just even if you have black friends, you're not always sure exactly how you're supposed to fucking act around your black friends. Right. Like, because if you're not black, you don't fucking know. And even if, like, I don't know. I think it's not because every time a white dude says the N-word, I can't fucking So I just wanted to say that I, thing. I don't fucking like it. But Jake doesn't to, do it, as I far just, as I can tell. I just wanted to say, not like Jamie Madrox did. <laughs> like, fuck it, no. you, yeah, bro, you know who still uh, no, says I'm the sorry. You know who Let dropped me. a solid N-word who recently? Who? Just to show you that he still can? Who? Fucking Necro, bro. No shit. That was like two years ago. Oh, that's funny. And it's because, yo... Necro is so Oh, Necro Ill. don't give a fuck. Necro, Necro is Ill real Bill. as fuck. Necro and Nobody's Ill Bill. I don't, I don't know what club it is in New York, but it's on YouTube, and it's from 1990 or 92, and Necro has a flat top, and he's about 18 years old. Him and Ill Bill, in an all-black club, the entire audience is black, and right. they are dropping N-words back to back to back, and no one's saying nothing. Everyone's laughing because they were more, like, kind of going for punchlines, you know what I mean? They were just very self-aware but like it's a thing Bro, no, like, listen, if you're from they the hood really like, fu- you no, know, dude, like, no, I'm like saying, that's just how like, I know, you know people where it's like that and I agree that is true I know white but girls that those say guys more do- than fucking Dave Chappelle oh, did, you know what that I mean shit, like, that's I the most, too, that's the most low class shit yeah, you'll no ever shit. see you know what's the most it's like oh I bet that bitch knows where to get Percocet I've been trying to I'm never gonna do stand up so I'll just use this on the podcast it's a true observation I've noticed that like I've noticed that like White girls who have black fathers and then a like a mixed son will literally refer to the son as that little n-word da 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 da. But imagine if a white dude who had a black ba- like baby mama referred to his daughter as a little, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, agree. I, I just sat there objectively like in the house like watching. I'm like, oh, you saw this happen recently? Oh or? yeah, yeah. I've seen it multiple yeah. times in my life recently. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it was around Thanksgiving or whatever. I was with uh, Vicky's friends, uh, and they're cool people. You know, it's not right. It's just funny how language is. Oh no, dude, I I absolutely agree. And what's acceptable and what's absolutely not acceptable. No, I know. You know, like imagine if me and Vicky had a a daughter, and then I referred to her as uh, that. Oh, my little, my little N-word. Look at her. You know, like. (laughs) Yeah, no, that would be. It but a white, a, but a white woman calling her little son her little n word is perfectly fine. Yeah, I you don't know. Yeah, no, that is. I don't Everyone know laughs, why. as a matter of fact, and I it just, is funny to fucking see. I don't know. I guess it's fucking funny in the moment. That's like one of those kinds of things hey, where man, no one's going in there. You know, there's worse. No, thing. listen, bro. There's I'm worse sorry. In the world. It's not very often. Yeah, but let me tell you something. It's not very often in my experience. Where, uh, and again, I'm not even going to fucking point the names out because I don't want to have to fucking deal with the fallout, but was around some people recently for like a, uh, you know, family kind of event. And it wasn't so much my family and just some people have no fucking class whatsoever. Like the shit that they will say around kids or to kids or about other people. I heard a man very casually refer to the Jeffersons as struggling N-words. Like, just, 
just casually, just I just pointed out like, oh, that's just what like, like it was an intellectual part of the discussion. Like, oh, like you know, they were just you know struggling. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, the level to which people are stupid is actually pretty fucking remarkable. But it's also like. I think that a lot of fucking the big problem Dunning Kruger for the win. Stupid people don't know that they're stupid. Right. Yeah. So like. But back to Jay being a racist because this is the bombshell that a, that uh, that uh, Isham e- said. He said in text on a screen and then on the Nottis album, which was the first album, End of the World, one of their best, mm-hmm. um, which Mastermind was not on because they had a little bit of a fallout at the time. Right. Um, it was mostly TNT and, uh, and fucking Isham. Right. And, uh, the last song is called Why You Gotta Lie. And Sin from Zog Island did the chorus. Oh, shit. And in the, he talks about, uh, I forget the line, but he basically says, that n-word choked me and it was always like one of those things where you listen you're like okay it was it was kind of almost like left field you didn't know what he meant like right you th- if anything you thought it was like another black guy choking him the way the, the rhyme was that's how he was always smart about it because right. he didn't want to divide half of his fan base by being direct right. but having sin on the hook because they were chronically you know, mismanaged or whatever you could say, you know, Zog Island. Yeah, I think that Zog Island just didn't hit. I think the crack tiles was great, but then 333 fucking wasn't. Yeah, that's true. But also, how much was the first one executive produced and how much care was put into that one and how much was put into the second one? Well, you know that's what I'm true, saying? But I mean, so here's the problem is that the first album was Violent J trying to make a rock album, which what he wanted to do, fair enough. But then after that, I mean, I, I don't think that Jay made 333. I think that Zuck Island made No, I know. That's why. And I guess you're right. You know, they're going to fly or not. But anyways, what uh, what Isham said in that song, and then years later on words, text on a screen, he said that when they were making that album, they all got in a fight. And uh, he said, because this is also something we all read in Behind the Paint. Right. You're not allowed to fight psychopaths. Oh, yeah, you got a drop trial. And then they were like, we don't do that gay shit. I'm going to fucking choke you. And then Esham started choking Jay. And then Jay allegedly got, like, teary-eyed and screaming. And he was like, that N-word choked me. You're done, blah, blah, blah. And they had a big blowout. And then, Interesting. Okay. And what definitely happened was every day he left the label. Lavelle left the label. Lavelle went to the fucking record label owner's house with a shotgun and the following year's gathering was at a mud farm because there was so many accounts not paid because Alex kind of left in the middle of the night you know what I mean like that is interesting for the 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 mud gathering happening that way because they said that I was at the seminar it was my first gathering and you know how when you're at your first gathering first ICP seminar it's like you're having it's like your first time getting Fucked, you know what I mean? <laughs> like paying attention, you know, Put like that clown dick in me. Yeah, and I was like sitting there paying attention, like because everyone was asking, like, what the fuck happened with with Esham? What what happened with everything? Why are we in a mud farm right now? You know what I mean? Like, and, well, you uh, wanted a gathering, we had to fucking figure out something. Listen, we got Axe Murder Boys, and we got Boondocks. That's all we <laughs> for you right now. Basically, yeah. I mean, come on, that's like, listen, this is what we were talking about earlier. Is that? They had so much shit going on, and they had been doing so much in the way of um, putting out projects and putting out artists. Like, really think about it. 
they were trying to do all at once ICP Twisted, Blaze, ABK, uh, MC Breed for a period, Zug Island also at that same time. Um, right around that same period, started to take on uh, Boondocks, AMB. Um, semi within that time period, but right at the tail end of all of this was DJ Clay. So that's, let's just say, nine. Then there's also Legs Diamond, Purple Gang, fucking... Uh, it's been in years now. We're well, talking about okay, 2005. Well, well, no, but it's all within a generalized... Within they had about 10 artists they were trying th- th- to manage. Th- I, that's basically what I was yeah. getting at. Anywhere between fucking five to eight separate bands entirely. Right. So at that point... But I think what happens is, and what everybody knows, is it's really ICP's like money-making machine, and they're not like they had to develop artists for lifelong careers. Not anymore. You know? Certainly not anymore. Well, that what they did, period. and if you read Tom Dub's book, and if you ask Jay or listen to the... Uh, that long ass Scotty D interview right. they always were trying to set up artists to do their own thing and the only people who one did it spitefully and maybe not the best way I guess we'll see over time and that's twisted and then there's uh, chapter 17 but they always tried to they wanted to they said be like we're gonna set you up so then you do your own thing and then I feel like they basically also had like, like you have your twisted package where we're gonna set you up, and then you'll run your own label, or you get your ABK Juggalo tier where we're just gonna have you <laughs> do some dumb shit, and then you'll. I, you know, you it's know, a funny the, thing you know. though, because we always bring this up, but with I ABK, think it comes down man, to the artist. Hatchet Warrior was and, done well, but you also, it's also, you also, you know, I, you know me, man, I really hate getting like group think and all that stuff oh, that's yeah. why like I, oh, I yeah. always look at this shit objectively and it's like when there's smoke there's a fire and almost every artist has had a bad experience you know what I mean like getting signed to psychopathic except for the guy who was young Ouija Mac and he understood what to do the entire time I don't think he went in it with expectations like oh I'm gonna get signed to psychopathic and then that'll you know what I mean he's like no I'm gonna co-opt this for my own movement because that's what everybody does anyways you know what I mean he just has the main line direct fucking vein right no, to the for wallet sure. now, and well know? no and, and by and, the way uh, again, I we've talked about this a bunch of times, but the fact that Chapter 17, whether yeah, or not, so also, that is whether the, or not it resonates with a ton of old schoolers, it does resonate with a lot of old schoolers. So, it is the kind of thing that whether or not anybody happens to fuck with it, it's one of these kinds of things where when Twisted got down in the first early days, it's like, oh, people might not be super into it. But then after long enough, it's like, oh, well, sorry, you don't get to say I don't like this anymore because one way or another, it's part of the culture, period. You just have to deal with it. Like, Juggalo shit happens in a very specific way, and it all orbits around ICP, obviously, but it's just, that's how it works. Like, And I think some people get pissed off when they work with them, and then they... That's why Eshan clearly figured it out, where he doesn't have to be fucking signed to them, but he can still do his own thing, where Three-Headed Monster was... It, and that's where... It was a th- that was a three-label project, basically. It's not that, like, he, yeah, he figured that out very fast, and that's why they only had him for a couple albums, and then they literally, he linked up with the guy who went to go to the house with the shotgun, and then he said that, you know... I would love your point because you've been pretty evasive on like an opinion on like on what Jay doing all this crazy shit like well so here's the thing 
as far as that Isham to me, lying? Do you think Isham's I don't think lying? that Isham is lying about having some kind of fallout fight, something like that. If he said something like that in that moment, I would be curious to find out if the hard R was there. And by the way, this is another thing that I will say. In my case, personally, I was raised with a... My mother was very close friends with a black family, so from a very young age, I was around black people. It was not weird for me to be around black people, and black people were my friends, so I never looked at black people as anything other than other people. A lot of white people do not grow up around black people, and the cultural stigma is real fucking heavy with a lot of people. So I think that some people, in some cases, like, my father's not racist. But when I got jumped by a couple of black kids in high school, he didn't actually say the N-word, but he said black something. So he was- My dad said the N-word a lot. Well, and by the way, this is kind of my point, is that the that prejudice is really fucking pervasive culturally, and it kind of takes a very specific experience for it to be broken in a natural way, where like, again, for me, you just, I don't fucking, I've never consciously felt that way ever. And fucking, in a situation like that, I, because my thing is this, if he actually said the N-word to Isham in that moment, yeah, that's fucked up. And, but beyond that though, I would have to wonder, because again, they still fuck with each other, that's number one. Yeah. And number two, I have to wonder if in that moment, it was like, I don't know, is Jay one of those kinds of people that just says it in passing? You know what I'm saying? Because maybe that's why it happened that way. And I, the, honestly, memory is a motherfucker anyway. No one can ever remember exactly what people said. Right. So it's like, because well, let's be real here. Does, did, did, like, do you, does Jay really strike you as somebody who is racist? Racist? No. Like, I don't think I there's think a difference between racist and acutely uh, ascribing stereotypes to, to people. I think being racist has negativity attached to it. Whereas, if you just acutely assign, uh, or not assign, that's the wrong word, but acutely fucking uh, recognize stereotypes in people, I don't know that that's, because it, it's not good, but I don't think it's racist either. So right. it's, I don't know. Because again, my thing is that if he was that kind of person, don't you feel like they wouldn't work together anymore? That they wouldn't have this thing well, where they're working in it. close quarters because they've been hanging a lot lately, doing a lot of these different things. Right. Yeah. That's why it's interesting, you know. Fucking. Who knows? I, I think guess. that. I think their money is inextricably linked. You know. I think there'd be no ICP if there was no homie the clown at all. Well, no, that's know? absolutely true. Which, by the way, that's why I think that making the album I Ain't Your Homie literally. Whatever you put on that album, the fact that the fucking cover looked the way that the way that it did, it's like you're just letting it be known, like right out, like front, like yeah, like let's this is fucking let's let it be known here. Because again, that's one of the things I love about Esham is that he unabashedly is just like I know who I am in this culture. I know what I've done. I know what I fucking gave rise to. I know what I've influenced. And I think that that's why it's cool that. He just continues to do his thing fucking regardless of, like... That's why I don't think they... Anything. He just keeps it fucking moving. I fuck with that. Yeah, real-life productions. This was the fucking... The final fucking nail in the coffin of the 
family era, and them working together. Uh, in, in a well, so in and so this capacity. was 2005. You're saying, yeah, yeah. So that's right as, uh, right after the wraith, right after fucking, uh, right after the gatherings start going outside. Yeah. Which is, we cannot forget how important that is to the trajectory of ICP's popularity and uh, the rise of Juggalo culture. Because that was when the gathering started to, because think about it. The gathering was like in fucking, when the hotel gatherings, like, I, you know, Bapo's the only person I know that I could think of that went to those. Right. But the first few, where like, you know, where the, the, the convention centers and tear gas and titties and all that shit it was all at hotels which is dope I'm sure it was a lot of fun but not the same as in the woods where it's like you can just kinda unless there's that was where Juggalo started to really get wild cause they realized at a certain point like oh yeah cops ain't coming in here we can do whatever the fuck we want like shit got wild and Juggalo and started pure, to it's just pure comedy it's white trash burning man where like yeah. it's like you, no oh you for take, sure you take oh, people yes. you take people who only know Styro burning styrofoam man exactly you know <laughs> what I'm saying they, they don't know anything but fucking cheeseburgers and meth and fucking you put them out in the middle Bro, of the field and I'm sorry it, it's, which it's is exactly no and that is exactly why the hog rock gatherings were the fucking epitome of that because when I really think about it in all of the years of the gatherings because the fucking at in um what am I thinking at Legend Valley there are cops rolling around on those little black uh the little fucking golf cart basically whatever they are yeah there are cops rolling around pretty frequently but more or less as long as you just cover your shit you think kind of don't give a fuck you can do what you want but I really think about it where hog rock really was cell phones did not work. Yeah. Like, it was beautiful. Fuck, fuck posting shit. Yeah. You couldn't fucking call nobody or get a text message. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it was, it was really, no, it was so much. That was literally why the drug bridge was able to be the drug bridge. Yeah. Because it was, everybody nobody was, was tightening up. Everybody I mean, was so acutely aware of the fact yeah. that, oh, cops are not fucking coming in here. They're not, and if they are, they're going to do exactly what they came to do, and they're not fucking with nobody. Yeah. So, do what you want to do. And, like, I've heard there were orgies at the drug bridge. I never saw none of those. I have seen pictures of other orgies that took place. There was a picture uh, of, like, some chick that were, like, fucking had ten dudes lined up in the fucking woods next to the trees and shit. Yeah, like, Dirt filmed that, and then OLC oh, well, no, there was sampled a, it. Oh, is it, it, I thought there was a different one, because I know Dirt filmed one where it showed up on Worldstar, or if Dirt didn't film it, he was just, he said something Maybe it was camera. different, different train. Well, no, but it wasn't Hog Rock, though, where somebody was fucking, like, right out on the trail. Yeah. And, like, fucking... Yeah, no, that was the whole thing. Hog Rock was, and this is kind of my point, is that Legend Valley does still get down, but right. Hog Rock was where Juggalos kind of realized, oh, we can fucking, we can go to the nines if we really want to. Because it wasn't really, up until that point, like, Mud Gathering was kind of wild, but I'm pretty sure that Cave and Rock was the next place after Mud Gathering, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, they didn't really try to attempt any more super groups after this too, really. Right? 
No, I, well, except for Dark Lotus, which they had already been doing. Yeah, that had this. already been established. But that also, they got two more albums out of Lotus by this point, I think. Yeah. They got Mudwater, Air and Blood, and... Um, Opaque Brotherhood. Opaque, well, no, Opaque Brotherhood came before that. Right. But, um, yeah, and by the way, it's funny because here's the best part of it. And some people remember this because some people got it tattooed. But Superhero. Yes. Whoa. That was supposed to be a fucking thing. That was the supposed to be a thing. on the album, then, Waiting for the Heroes. <sighs> and then they were probably like, listen, we don't do cocaine, so it ain't happening. It's not maybe even this that. A, maybe they were supposed like, to no, be... really think about the operational expense of creating a full album like that. The operation of it, taking the time and getting producers and making this whole thing... I, yeah, but I, the way that psychopathic outsources shit and acts the way they do, and we know that how many juggalos, half of the gatherings run by juggalos, for Christ's sake, they probably true. will like, we'll get Fritz to fucking be your producer, and Lavelle will be our producer, and some juggalo will do the artwork, and blah, 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 blah. Well, there wasn't even that much artwork, as I recall. You want to know how I know that is on the link that you sent me for the album. It showed the pictures of you. Remember the fucking. No, the booklet character. was pretty the, cool. You remember that? You, the well, booklet I, had I, all. Oh, come on, the characters, the way that the well, the, the, they had little. Yeah, the fucking the one dude had the fucking big red wig behind his head. What are you fucking serious? That was some of the silliest shit I ever seen. And again, I don't imagine Lavelle and Esham. They they hand them that project like here it is, and they're like, yeah, where's my money? Then they're like, we already paid you, and they're like, what? Uh, What'd you say? I'm going to murder you. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, remember that <laughs> advance? That's you know, that's the super villains payment. See ya. Oh man. I look you we'll wanna know residuals. what I think that I'm just it was purely speculation, but everything did fall apart out of this album after this album. They, they never rebuilt the roster back to uh, uh, the way that it no, was. No, listen, I not only do I not disagree, I believe that all of their best work. Uh, not all of their best work, but all of their best group work came from before this point. Because, oh, and, well, except I actually, okay, I take it back, except Opaque. However they made Opaque happen, they did that shit. Right. Right. But beyond that, like, and here's the thing. I honestly hadn't thought about it, but the fact that, if I recall correctly, Jay really was pushing very hard just to get Supervillains made. Because I think it was like since Wraith, he was. Like, that's my like, point. Yeah, is that like, they had been like he wanted really bad to do an album with Esham. Yes. Like he just wanted that to be a thing. Yes. And I have to wonder if back then maybe Esham. No, true indeed. But I have to wonder villains. that maybe Esham felt like at the time because Eminem's newfound fame was still a little bit fresher, and he maybe felt like his market value was higher than I'm just gonna put all my eggs in this basket. But that's also, that's kind of what I'm saying. I feel like he is recognizing or does recognize that the the Juggalo fan base absolutely recognizes him as the fucking OG the artist. Did. Exactly. But that's kind of my point, is that I feel like he thought that more people recognize that than just the Juggalos. And now as time has gone by, it's pretty much because bro, he, every no, time I, that that Ishan plays the gathering, he's got a fucking crowd. A lot of people going. No, to I think it was, and here's the here's the fucking thing, man. Being an Ishan fan, 
I think that he truly thought he was putting all the eggs in that basket that they were going to push him as hard as fucking ICP. I think he truly believed that. I don't think that he was like... I think that they did push him pretty hard, but this they, is what I have to say is that I think that maybe never gonna he, have he, that he might have overestimated how he was going to be received because, by and you know Juggalos what? when he wasn't directly attached to ICP. I think in he, that project. I think he thought that... And even then, when they did Supervillains, it was like, Juggalos fucked with it, but it didn't... Repentance was like just like a good hip-hop album. Repentance you know what was I great. Mean? Like, Repentance is a fantastic it's album. Like, it's like that, and it was marketed. Like, I remember my boy, my my friend's older brother bought that album, and then I remember like he, hearing it the first time through him like fucking playing it. And he's like, yeah, I got it. There was a display at, the, at FYE. And I was like, oh shit, there's an Eshan display? Like, they really did, I guess, try to push him. And then, you know, I guess it's on Esham too. You know, he doesn't have that mass appeal, and I guess it was never going to happen. No, and you want to know you what? Know? I have noticed that is that he is definitely a rapper who style-wise, you gotta, he, he very much sticks to his guns. His style has remained pretty much the same the entire time that he's been rapping. No, when his when he was younger, it was crazy. Like the way the pitch effects he would do, and just like how Jay, like you know, Jay Riddlebox. Well, no, I'm more like, talking about flow structure. Yeah. I oh think yeah. It back like then, rhymes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Never, yeah, yeah. Oh no, was, he's, yeah. he's always been very experimental, yeah. and the way that his voice sounded, like no, yeah, but his, his rhyme early shit, you would never like, assume that the shit that he was spitting early on. But he, if you didn't know what he looked like, you wouldn't think. That that's and this is different. what's so ill about Isham is he's in the caliber of creator like Too Short or Tech Nine or Snoop Dogg, where these guys are repeating themselves often. Right. But it's right. just they have that like they crafted a style. E40 you is know, on that level. Definitely E42. Same shit. I think he has more of an extensive vocabulary though. E40. Oh no, you granted. I mean? My only like, point was that E40 but that was distinct style. E40 yeah, was you, what yeah. exactly? Yeah. That I think yeah. that there is something to be said about having that very distinct style and yeah. voice. Yeah. Where you're just like intentionally off the beat. It's kind of like we were like, what we were saying about Bizarre or yeah, ODB. Definitely. Somebody who, as soon as you hear him spit, it's like, oh yeah, that's that guy. Yep. And E40 was one of the guys who made, who bridged the gap completely into mainstream success. Oh, a thousand never percent. Never compromising oh, hardcore. Oh, anything yeah. about himself. Oh, no, not even a little yeah. bit. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's recognized as an OG for that reason specifically. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the fact that he's been doing it as long as he has, but has worked with everybody. I remember when he worked with Twisted, they were fucking super stoked to work with him. Fuck yeah, man. On uh, Speculation, I think was the song. Yeah. Which, that was funny, because you have to figure, uh, for back then... That song, uh, making a song about rumors yeah. with this dude that basically is like this underground. That's one of these fucked up things, man, where I really have to think about it sometimes. I was talking to my homegirl uh, out in Denver uh, that was telling me uh, she had gone to see Twisted uh, at whatever show they did just recently. And she doesn't even really fuck with Twisted no more. Kind of like same, but when you go into the show, at which I'm sure come April I'm going to do, that just the juggalo takes over in you and you don't even realize it until it happens and it's like motherfucker if we don't die starts playing you are going to shout it back uh, uh, just like everybody else like yeah. stop fucking lying I because again I cannot fucking front 
and act like, because you said some shit however long ago, and motherfuckers don't want to hear it, and fine, I don't care if motherfuckers don't want to hear it, but I still think it's true. What? That there was a period where people were looking at, like, Twisted represents the real of Juggalo shit. This was And ICP, and, yeah. and Twisted is the, and ICP is the money machine. I am so glad you said like, that. This is the perfect way to wrap it up, because they were, at this time, Yes, the curtain. Like a lot of, I, like, I know yeah, nobody wants know to what? talk about it, but people for sure, that was absolutely some shit people Fuck were yeah, saying. yeah, dude. That's like, how the story went. The story, if you were too young to remember or whatever, let me tell you how it went down. This album went down, and then Esham fucking yanked down the curtain and said, your savior doesn't give a fuck about you the way he does. He cares about cash, and I want my fucking money. You know what I'm saying? And then you know who was talking? Fuck you, pay me. Yeah, and you know who was, like, saying sly truths and just making banger after banger of albums with their money that they were allotted from Psychopathic was Twisted. They were putting out ill music. They put out Man's Myth and Mutant the same year. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that was the same yeah. year as this. Okay, so fair yes, enough. they carried well, the culture. That's actually the funny whole, because Man's all... Myth and Mutant, I feel like, got more the of a... The culture was paying attention to that. It got more of a push than... Well, but that said... It feel it felt That's to me like that album got more of a push because than they reinvested by their, psychopathic. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they also reinvested their own money into like. That would have been right around the era of like the Purple Show too. Yes, Twisted was that the, was which the Purple kids, Show was definitely the height of their cultural popularity. Kids, everybody, please cultivate your own opinions and personalities. Do the research. Go check out your history. No, These people sure. fucking made at what the fabric of the shit. These jokes that you do. Uh, people's entire record label. I think based that, no. By the way, like, I think you know, that it was an amalgamation you know what of everybody. No, no. Listening to recently, totally off topic, but eventually we will end up probably talking about the releases of how long this podcast goes on. But abominations, dude. That was an album uh, that oh, everybody. Oh, I know. Oh, bro. Everybody shit on it before it came out because it looked like I how I used to say non because they were. That was the beginning of them becoming there a juggalo is. act. They were like, we're gonna lean into this. And I was like, I recognize what they're doing, but like, I remember. Well, listen, Abominations in, had their dopest a, face paint pattern a, they ever did. That was in a fucking hotel, yeah. But we were also all like, here's the thing, man, and the, like, and we'll end it. So, here's the thing: Twisted for years, and especially at this time period, they prided themselves on making every release drastically different from the previous. Like, that's really true. did. No, that's and true. then Abominations, it was the first time that they were like, you know what? With Twisted is Twisted, with cool face paint, and that was the presentation. Now the album was fucking. Be it was their. It was their. La it was their goodbye to Psycho. Well, no, it was. Oh, yeah, oh no, for sure, you know? it was their swan song. The first and, one. Uh, the first and you one. know that with the, the the very last skit where they're crying. Yeah. And he says, "I don't want to be by myself." Yeah. And those like, skits are all some of the best skits that have ever been. Oh, absolutely! Dude. Oh no, the, the oh no, the I can't, the, the, I can't. But yeah, the the one the stab skit is amazing. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I can't fucking do it. No, uh, the uh, no, and then because again, it's so great because they did that, but then unable they also, to scream and but then they also did the uh, right before nightmares. Yes, the fucking, unable to scr unable to cry for help or whatever the, whatever the long ass title. But yeah, that's terrifying. Oh yeah, oh no, and it terrifying. was so well done. Yeah, it's incredible. And fucking so anybody who's out there like yeah, you should hate, you should love, and this is an old Juggalo creed, and I know there's younger people who listen to us, so you should definitely follow this and especially time it seems like it's tumultuous and everybody's got an opinion and we certainly have ours but 
always stick to your own, dude. It's okay to like something. And just because someone who's older oh, yeah. or more influential oh, or whatever, or you don't think you're, you're not going to be cool or whatever. Yeah, no, fuck that. You can like have, what a, you have like, an opinion. Dude. Let your opinion be and whatever guess what? it is. You're going to get a lot more cooler friends who care about you. Oh, yeah, by being authentic. By being authentic. Then, then by... Oh, I have the, and the, by the way... The friend of the moment. I want to let know. you know. My thing is that for the longest time, and I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast, I'm pretty sure, and I say it out loud pretty often, that... I, for the longest time, loved pissing off 17 percenters, and I was firmly on the side of Twisted in the split, feeling like, what do you mean these guys aren't allowed to fucking have their own thing and do their own shit after being told you wouldn't be shit without me? But the problem is that as enough time has gone by and I look back at it objectively, there is truth to that, and they definitely did get fucked over, there is zero question about it. The same thing with Eshaan. But the problem is, is that the reality is in all of the music industry and really in all of business in general, you have the money makers of a, of a, uh, of a business, you have the shit that really brings in the money, and then you have the additional departments, you have the other branches that... They call it the flagship act. No, nah, and you want to know what? And that's kind of the point, is that Jay, I think at a certain point was just too generous in trying to spread around what he had because it speaks to how much ICP really had. They really were making millions of dollars with their act and Jay was trying to spread that around to as many artists as possible to create this broad fucking base of a record label which did work but then when things started to fucking fall off because realistically it was because the industry changed. Stop selling CDs as much, stop selling merch as much. And, that's and everything gonna, that's goes a, online. Imagine the pressure of, here's the scenario. You have two Detroit gangsters mad at you. CDs literally don't sell anymore. Now the guy who It got, was the very end. Now the guy who got you in, to be a millionaire is done with you and he's in Hawaii. Your move. You know what I mean? And you have a brand new kid. So fucking figure it out. That's Jay. That was, yeah, That's right around scenario. that time. That's all. Oh, yeah. Jay's son was one years old. His The head of his label left. He had all these bills to pay. And he's got his hero making diss records about him. You know what I mean? Like, that's one hell of a place to be. I agree. You know? And the fact that they have brought it back. And now that, they're making and especially albums together. Like, considering that right there, that's coming not too long down the pipeline after this. Well, actually, I don't know, because if, if uh, this came out, you said 2005, 2006, right? So yeah, we still on? have a whole Tempest era to get through, but... There you go. No, true indeed. All right. <laughs> well, no, listen, the Tempest era, that was actually because I had started rapping, and because the sixth had already come down, you know, it already dropped, and, you know, time consumed us all, whatever. I was not... The, the Calm, the Tempest... Uh, Eye of the Storm, all that. I really never listened to that shit like that. I never got into it. Tempest does have some good tracks now. I've gone back through it. There are some solid ones on there. But that whole era, I was caught up in doing other shit. I was not jugging at that point. And I think you, like, you may or may not remember this, but you actually were part of what brought me back into it because it was after the 2008 gathering where I had my whole bad experience, took too much acid, thought fucking the Illuminati was after me. Whatever. It's a whole different story. Um, around that time, I started to... And I've had this happen a couple of times in my life. The second time was after the uh, Oklahoma City gathering where I watched Jay completely botch the fucking Wraith set. I was very upset about it. 
But um, I've had a couple of times in my life where I felt shaken about being a juggalo of like, is this still something that I want to do? Like, do I still want to be involved in this culture, in this community, whatever? And the answer, of course, always has been yes, but I absolutely have had times and fucking around the, it, the uh, 2008 gathering was one of those times. And being around you guys during the Bang Pow Boom era was what brought me back in and brought me back to want, like, re realizing, like, because I didn't even really want to like Bang Pow Boom. I was like, what the fuck is this, a new deck? What the fuck is this shit? What are you talking about? And then you guys, you were like, yeah, like, no, you got to actually listen to it. Like, it's, it's, it, 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 just listen to it and go from there. Because even if you, like, you feel how you feel, but just listen to it. Because, again, like I said, by that point, Tempest hadn't impressed me. Calm hadn't impressed me. The Eye of Storm hadn't impressed me. You would have thought that I was on the street team, the way I pushed I mean, well, I, I mean, you that, are. You just don't get credited. The way I pushed that album to OGs specifically and like in well the, yeah because a lot community. of oh, bro you know that everyone a lot of, had fallen out of favor but you know a lot of OGs were not signed on to the idea of let's do another deck but that's not how it was marketed it was just a new album and then I smelled it from a mile away I was like oh this is well when you saw the face of it it kind of seemed like it's hard to believe that that's anything other than that and I honestly feel like on that tour I my thing is I wasn't at enough of the shows to know if at, because I know you've said that at that Worcester show, you think that that was when he made the decision. It, it could have been every tour stop. Well, that's he, what I'm but, saying, because I, I would be curious to find out if that was the case. But I do think that that album, they knew that that was what they wanted to do. Now, here's the kicker of that, we can end on this, is supposedly it's supposed to be 665, where we do two decks of six, and then one more deck of five. Yeah. Which technically means that's six more albums. Yeah. And I would love to see that happen. But it is also a little bit strange that they don't want to tour musically, but Jay is wrestling a lot. He went from having heart failure to doing moonsaults in Japan. It's, it's like, Jay is one of the only people having, on earth who can do that. sex with fucking do you know why? Do you know why Jay, after so many years... Is able to do moonsaults in Japan still uh, because no because he remembers to do something all of the time. Oh yeah. And that thing that he remembers to do is he remembers to scoop the loop and he's folding that flop. Yes, the fuck he is. And then we are also doing these things and keeping the carnival grounds rolling. I fucking love y'all. Uh, thank you for continuing to roll with me, whoever the fuck you are. Uh, I hope to eventually get this to a point where you feel like I am worth giving you giving me your money uh, based on the podcast uh, we're not quite there yet but I do want to figure that out but if you are feeling like giving away some money you can go over to www.terminal-wellness.com I got this movie I'm putting together about love at first sight in an assisted suicide clinic in an America that's run by a fucking Joe Rogan avatar president and a bunch of conspiracy theorists are trying to kill everybody. If any of so that, not so not all that different from what we have now. Living. Minus the Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe Biden is like an avatar, basically. <laughs> but yes, www.terminal-wellness.com. Go check it out. Make a donation. Check out Uncle Ernie, who will remind you that it is okay to pass away. And we will see you motherfuckers next time when we do, I believe... The calm in the eye of the storm. Yeah, we'll, we'll do them both. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yes. Bye-bye.